Well, the end times are hot topics nowadays. They really are. Let's see. Global plague? Check. Wars, rumors of wars? Check. Hail falling from the sky? Check. <laughs> okay, you know, there's some Christians who believe that Russia's invasion of Ukraine was, prof was actually prophesied back in Ezekiel 38. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. But you'll find it out there. Okay, even this week, this week, Relevant Magazine had an article, Why Hasn't Jesus Come Back Yet? So literally, the, hot to the, the, the end times are a hot topic. And there is no shortage of Christians out there who are trying to connect things going on today with things in the book of Revelation. And so we're going to start spending some time talking about this. Why? Because there's a lot being talked about out there. And some of it is intelligent and thoughtful, but a lot of it, eh, not so much. I'm looking at you, YouTube. Okay? Be careful looking up stuff there, because there's a whole lot of really wrong stuff out there. So we're going to spend the rest of the summer talking about the book of Revelation. This is the longest, most intimidating sermon series I've ever preached. But the book sort of demands, you can't do four weeks about the book of Revelation. You just got to tackle the whole thing. And so that's what we're going to do. And by the end, my hope is that we both, we all come to understand and even appreciate this otherwise very be baffling, bewildering book of the Bible. So, when I say the word apocalypse, what comes to mind? When I say the word apocalypse, what comes to mind? Well, maybe for you, it's, it's this. Total destruction. Cities on fire. Chaos. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Okay? For others of you, maybe it's this. Zombie apocalypse. How to survive the zombie apocalypse. My, my advice? Treadmills around the house. Mmm. Okay? Maybe, maybe for you older folks, it's this. A gritty war movie. Maybe for some of you younger folks, it's a bad X-Men movie. Or maybe for some of you, it is the granddaddy of them all. Left behind. Maybe you read the book. Or all the books. Or the kids' books. Or the movie. Or the sequel. Or the remake. Or the video game. Did you know they had a left behind video game? I so want to get my hands on that. But see, there's a problem with all of this. It's all wrong. None of that is what the word apocalypse means according to the Bible. Now, the dictionary, yes, it says the final destruction of the world. But that is not how the Bible defines apocalypse. So how does the Bible use that word? That word where it was originated? Well, I'll show you. Been curious what this is? Just left it there, sitting there, randomly covered up. So let me show you what an apocalypse is. 
Ready? Can I get a drum roll? <laughs> I've got, wait, you knew it was going to be Legos or Star Wars or Star Wars Legos. <laughs> Come on, it's me. <laughs> so, R2 has joined us for church today. Now, that is an apocalypse. Because according to the Bible, an apocalypse is an unveiling. That's actually what the word means. The word apocalypse is an English transliteration of a Greek word called apocalypsis. And it literally means unveiling or revealing or revelation. So the book of Revelation is literally called the apocalypse. But it's not the end of the world. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So when you see this slide, think you could substitute in your head the revealing of Jesus Christ. Or some translations have it, the revelation, the revealing from Jesus Christ. Both are true. It is a revealing, it is a, a um, telling an unveiling of Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ. So what does this actually mean? Well, as the video talked about, this is God peeling back the curtain. Peeling back the curtain between our physical reality and the spiritual reality. And we can see albeit through symbols and metaphors, many of which are confusing to modern-day readers like us, but we can see through the curtains, and we can see from our world, our physical world, into the spiritual realm. And we can see the spiritual truths about our past, present, and future. Now, if you're a Marvel fan then you already know what I'm talking about. Spider-Man No Way Home had a great scene where their reality was ripped open and they could see through to another reality. No spoiler here. If you haven't seen it, then you don't really care. Come on. Can you really call yourself a Marvel fan? Okay. Now, if you've seen the new Doctor Strange, now this one I won't put anything up, just the, just the movie poster, no spoilers here, but you know that end credit scene, you know what I'm talking about. That is a beautiful example of what it looks like to sit in one reality and get a peek into another reality. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. It's a peek from our physical world into the spiritual world. There is an unveiling so we can see what we normally can't see. So each week, I'm going to take you on a journey and walk you through, and together, we're going to peek through this opening, this unveiling that God is giving us in this book called The Revelation. And we're going to begin this week by talking about apocalyptic literature. And now, I could have I named this sermon, How Not to Screw Up Reading Revelation. Because there are so many way, easy ways to screw up reading the book of Revelation. And if, and if you don't believe me, just go to YouTube. There are countless horrible readings and interpretations of this book. Because it is apocalyptic literature. 
And there is nothing in our modern world that can compare to it. Like, we understand poetry so we can read psalms. We understand history so we can read narrative. There's nothing comparable to apocalyptic literature in, mo in our modern world. And so we're going to spend today talking about it. We aren't going to, it's very little Bible teaching, just a little bit at the end. But this is the framework, this is the groundwork in order for you to be able to understand the next 12 weeks. So to be able to understand what we're talking about and to be able to interpret Revelation well and faithfully. And so, today is going to be talking about five things you need to know about the book of Revelation. These are five characteristics of Revelation as apocalyptic literature. Five really important things. First, it's centered around Jesus Christ. Second, it uses lots of symbols and imagery. Third, it uses numbers symbolically. Fourth, it draws heavily on the Old Testament. And fifth, it's difficult to understand. So let, let's walk through these a little bit. Let's talk about the first one. It is centered around Jesus Christ. The number one subject of this book is Jesus. This is the unveiling of Jesus from Jesus. He is present. He is there in every chapter of this book. But when I hear people talk about Revelation or post videos or something on Facebook... It seems like they rarely talk about Jesus. Who's the beast? Who's the Antichrist? You're the Antichrist. Okay? What's the timeline? Are you premillennial or, or, or amillennial? Are you pre-trib, post-trib, trib-trib? Where's Jesus? No Jesus in any of that. See, all of those are secondary issues in the book of Revelation. But we make them primary. We forget the primary is Jesus. So don't fall into the trap of looking for the Antichrist and forgetting about the risen Christ. Because a lot of people make that mistake. See, Revelation is good news about Jesus, the risen lamb who shares God's throne and who is the key to our past, present, and future. See, this book is also about uncompromising faith and trust in him, which leads to undying hope, even in the face of hardship, evil, and oppression. This book is centered on Jesus Christ, and there is not a single part of it that is more important than that. Second, it uses lots of symbols and images. I mean lots. If you have ever attempted to read Revelation, you know what I'm talking about. And you're going to see them. We're going to see a ton of them over the next few months. In fact, the primary language of the book of Revelation is metaphor. It's not narrative. Sure, the first couple chapters, the letters to the churches, all of that, that all makes sense. And then all of a sudden, chapter 4 hits and it goes bonkers. Okay? And so, see, here's the thing. 
Revelation wants to speak to your heart. It wants to speak to your imagination. It wants to speak to your dreams. It doesn't just want to talk to your heart or talk to your mind. And see, we all understand symbolism. We all get that. So if I show you a book, you don't immediately think that bears sleep in beds and blonde-haired girls will steal your food. Nobody in here thinks that. Why? Because we understand the genre of nursery rhymes. We understand they're anthropomorphized bears. We understand there are morals to the story. Okay? Likewise, if I show you this cartoon, okay, if I show you this cartoon here, there we go, where's, where's our cartoon? There we go. Okay? You don't immediately go, eagles wear hats. No. You get this. But unfortunately, people turn to the book of Revelation and immediately go, eagles wear hats. No, they don't. That's a symbol. And so this book is full of fantastic symbols and images and animals. But they're meant to convey broader truths, just like Mr. Eagle here. So don't get stuck on what the text says. Focus on what it means. And desperately resist the temptation to say, eagles wear hats. Don't do that. Okay, so here are a couple examples. Psalm 91.4. God will cover you with his feathers, and you will find refuge under his wings. Nobody here says, God has feathers? God has wings? Is he an eagle? Does he wear hats? No, we understand this is a metaphor. We understand this is symbolic language of God's protection and his care. And the maternal side of God. That's what's beautiful about Psalm 91. Okay, let's go to Revelation. Later in the first chapter of Revelation, Revelation 1.16, Jesus is described have, as having a sword coming out of his mouth. Now, he doesn't actually have a sword coming out of his mouth. Four out of five dentists say it is not good to put a sword in your mouth. It's symbolic. In fact, it's symbolic of God's holy word. Listen to this, Isaiah 49.2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. Hebrews 4.12, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. This is not a random image. This is a biblical image, and what it says is that Jesus speaks the word of God. He doesn't speak his own words. So again, don't look at this and say, eagles wear hats. No, to say, Jesus speaks the very words of God. So, why do so many people have trouble with this one? Why do so many people read things out of Revelation so literally? Well, one of the reasons is that modern evangelical Christianity has a focus and even a pride about reading the Bible literally. They call it a plain reading of Scripture. And it's one of the things that contemporary evangelicalism has used to essentially say we're better 
than those who read the Bible metaphorically, whether it's the mainline denominations or the Catholics or whoever. Um, but you know what? To read the Bible literally is actually terrible advice. And I'm going to argue nobody actually does it. Nobody reads the Bible literally. Because in all my years, I have never had someone come up to me and say, God has feathers? Even the most literalist person understands that that is a metaphor. We understand metaphors. But we go to the book of Revelation, it's like we forget all of that. And so you have to read the Bible. It's not about reading the Bible literally. It's about reading the Bible faithfully and accurately. And sometimes that is literal, but sometimes that's figurative, and sometimes that's metaphorical. So you have to do a little work to understand when is when, and when is right, and when is wrong. So sometimes the Bible is figurative and symbolic and metaphorical. And Revelation is one of those times. Let's talk about the third one. It uses numbers symbolically. It uses numbers symbolically. So whenever you see a number in Revelation, your first thought is, what does this symbolize? Your first thought should never be, the actual number of 7 or 144,000 or 12. No, no, no. What does this symbolize? Now, we understand this as well. We understand that numbers don't always mean numbers. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. We all know that means you're in trouble. Okay? I can't dance. I have two left feet. We know they're not actually talking about two left feet. Or, I got a raise, I'm on cloud nine. Well, you look like you're standing on the floor. We all get this, that sometimes numbers don't mean numbers. That sometimes numbers are meant to leave an impression on you. A thousand times means I've told you to pick up your dirty clothes way too often. Pick them up. I'm on cloud nine means like clouds one through eight are good, but I am really, really good. So we, we get that. We have to transfer that same idea to the book of Revelation. And so, so he, numbers are symbolic. They mean something. So I actually wanted to run through some of the common numbers, some of the important numbers that we're going to see in the coming weeks and months. And remember, they are meant to leave an impression on you not to tell you a numerical amount. So, here we go. Three. Three represents God. Think of the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Glory, honor, and power. God is constantly represented in threes. How about six? Six represents humanity and sin. Humans were created on the sixth day in Genesis. So, of course, if you wanted to, to represent the worst of humanity and the worst of evil and the worst of sin, what number are you going to pick? Six. Let's pick it again. Six. Let's pick it again. Six. 
666. That's what six is about. Okay, seven. Seven represents divine perfection. It's complete. Seven represents completeness and wholeness. God rested on the seventh day. The lamb in Revelation, who we're going to see a lot as Jesus Christ, has seven horns and seven eyes. Okay, now, incidentally, Jesus does not have seven horns and seven eyes. That's a very scary Jesus. Okay? <laughs> That's like horror movie Jesus. But seven is complete. Horns represent power. They're symbolic of power. So Jesus has complete power. Eyes represent knowledge because I see things. So Jesus has complete power and complete knowledge. Theologically, we call that all-powerful, all-knowing. That's how revelation works. Okay, the number, there's one more number that comes up a lot. That's 12. 12 represents God's people. There were 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 apostles. The New Jerusalem has 12 gates with 12 angels at each gate and 12 foundations. And if you're trying to picture, the, no, no, it's not about picturing. It's understanding that the new Jerusalem is for all of God's people together. And then one more, a thousand. The thousand-year reign, the thousand people, the thousand, thousand, thousand. That just is a really large amount. Don't think that on 1,001, all of a sudden it changes. That's not what this is about. It's about a lot. This one, ironically, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. <laughs> a thousand doesn't mean a thousand. So we get that. We just have to transfer that to the book of Revelation. We can't read the book of Revelation like we read the book of Mark. They aren't the same style of writing. Okay. So be very careful interpreting numbers literally. Now, it doesn't mean that there is not a literal number in, in the book of Revelation. But think the primary place we should go is what does this number represent? Okay, let's talk about the fourth one. Fourth one is the book of Revelation draws heavily on the Old Testament. I had a seminary prof say in, in one of the classes, you can't understand Revelation unless you understand Old Testament prophecy. You just can't. And I never understood that, but at the same time, I also never understood Revelation. So maybe he had a point. And so I absolutely believe that's why Revelation, so many of us have so much difficulty reading this book, is because we don't understand Old Testament prophecy. We don't understand that genre, that style of writing. And so you might have seen in your bulletin, we have a Revelation reading plan for the summer. It's a really lightweight five-day-a-week, gives you a couple freebie days. And you, that means if you do this, you're going to read through the entire book of Revelation together with us. And I've spent every single week, I've included an Old Testament and sometimes a New Testament reading because it is essential to understand. And every single week up here, I'm going to talk to you about something from the Old Testament because you can't understand Revelation unless you understand Old Testament prophecy. So there are literally 
hundreds and hundreds of references, allusions, images, symbols from Old Testament prophecy books. Particularly, we're going to look a lot, we're going to look into a lot of Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, and a few others. So part of this summer is going to be learning about the Old Testament as well, particularly the Old Testament prophets. And so this, that's why this is something where uh, it makes sense that first century listeners would understand this. And why 21st century listeners, we don't. Because we don't know the Old Testament as well as, as we should in order to understand it. And so that's what we're going to work on this summer as well. And so there are references, it's amazing in this book, there are references to Egypt, the plagues, the Song of Moses, the Passover lamb, Babylon, the dragon, visions of a throne, angels, the river of God, even river life comes up in the book of Revelation. That's where we got our name. And Revelation got it from the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel got it from the book of Genesis. So it's, there's so much in there. So every week we're going to be talking about these Old Testament images. And so if you're trying to figure out something, let's say you read something in Revelation, it just does not make sense. Okay? The first place to go should not be YouTube. Okay? should be the Old Testament. So here's what, literally here's what you do. Go to Google, type in the, the chapter and verse, like Rev 4.12, Old Testament. That is probably the smartest first search you could do to look up something out of the book of Revelation. Because it will anchor you in where this book is anchored. And that's the Old Testament. Fifth, it's difficult. Can we just say that? Can we just admit it? Let's name it. Okay. Any person that says, it's obvious that Revelation says they're wrong. They are clearly not reading the same book I'm reading. <laughs> They're wrong. There's very little that the book of Revelation is obvious about. In fact, in Googling and searching and researching, I, I ran across this Reddit post where a person says, I'm obsessed with Revelation. I love it. I read it so much. It's the most incredible book ever. The rest of the book I have difficulty understanding, but Revelation is great. I'm like, the rest of the Bible you have difficulty understanding? <laughs> really? And Revelation makes sense to you? <laughs> no, it's usually the other way around. It is difficult. It is written in a language, a genre language we just don't know. And so that's why it takes work. It takes effort to do this. So the most important, the most important interpretal skill you will need to read the book of Revelation. If nothing else, the most important thing you need is humility. To read Revelation well, you need humility. In fact, I, I've started and watched some, but I've, I, I started a lot of YouTube videos about Revelation in the last couple weeks. And I can tell pretty quickly whether someone has humility in their understanding of this book. And if they don't, back, next. I don't, even, I don't even bother with it. Because humility is the number one thing you need 
in order to read Revelation well. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about each week is this. I, I'm going to be telling you things I understand so far, but there's going to be a lot of stuff to say, I'm not sure about this one. Or here's my interpretation, and there are Christians way smarter than me who have a different interpretation. And that's okay. Because I don't know if this interpretation is the right one. It's the one that makes sense to me the most. So we need humility. There is no place, zero place for rigidity, arrogance, or dogmatism when it comes to revelation. And there are a lot of people who are out there talking about revelation with arrogance. There's no place for it in the book of Revelation. We need an open heart. We need reliance on the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. And we need faith that God will help us understand the word he gave us. That's how we're going to approach the book of Revelation. So what do we need? What do we need to be able to read this faithfully, read this well? Remember, it's centered on Jesus Christ. It uses lots of symbols and images. It uses numbers symbolically. It draws heavily on the Old Testament. And it is difficult to understand. And so we're going to utilize these, these five principles every week over the next 13 weeks. You're going to need to use them in order to read along with our reading plan. And, and with that reading plan, it's going to correspond more or less to the sermons that we do. Each week, it's going to be the stuff that you just read or the stuff you're going to be reading the next week. Uh, and incidentally, every one of you have already done one of them. Before read, the first one on your list, Revelation 1, 1 to 3. So you can actually check that off right now. Boom, you are a day ahead. You're killing this reading plan. Good job. Okay? So, to, but to, for today... We're just going to start, we're going to reread those few verses, just those three ver verses. And then next week, we're going to talk a lot more about the rest of chapter one. Um, and we're, th thankfully, these first few verses are really easy to understand. They're very clear. And so let's re read those. You can read along. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this out loud with me. Okay? Read this out loud. And then pay attention to the third slide, and you'll know you'll know why I'm asking you to read it out loud. Okay, so we are all going to read. Let's fill God's house with God's word. Ready? The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must take soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Did you catch that? There is a literal beatitude at the beginning of the most confusing book of the Bible. Don't you think God would have put this in front of, like, the book of John or Psalms? No. He put it in Revelation. And that's the promise we're going to rest on. That you will be blessed when you read this book. 
and you will be blessed when you listen to this book. So for all you audio Bible fans, rock that thing. God even says it right there in your book. You can listen to this. Blessed. Blessed. You are blessed. You are happy. You are full of joy. You are given joy. See, that is not the reaction. Blessed is not the reaction I typically think when I think of the book of Revelation. Confused. Freaked out. Ready to give up on the entire thing. <laughs> That's maybe more like my reaction to Revelation. But no, God says you are blessed when you read this book, when you listen to this book. That's God's promise to us. So as we venture out together over the coming months, let's remember that promise. God promises to bless you and bless us as a church community and bless us as an online community when we read and listen to this book. I can't tell you exactly why, but that's God's word and that's God's promise. So we're going to trust him. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you for the book of Revelation. We recognize that it is foreign to us and it is difficult to us. And it is, it is even scary for us. But we bring those fears to you. We bring that confusion to you, knowing that you can open our eyes. Holy Spirit, one of your, your jobs is to reveal God's truth to us. So Holy Spirit of God, reveal. God, we pray that you reveal Jesus Christ to every one of us in this book. God, I pray that you, you will bless us as you promise for reading and listening to this book. Help us understand, help us appreciate, and, and bring us to a day where we can say, I love this book. Jesus Christ, you are amazing. Let us always keep our eyes on the risen Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And let no secondary topics distract us from Him. Thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.